Business Women Rock, episode 55. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible business women. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's going on, ladies? I'm so excited to have you here. I have a great show for you today. My guest today is Jolene Moody, who's the founder of Jolene Speaks. Jolene is a professional speaker, author, and business consultant. And while that particular title seems to be all around, honestly, Jolene is so different and she's going to actually, it's going to be very obvious why she's so distinguished and so different from the rest of the speaker, authors, and business consultants out there. So um, she established the company back in 2010 and for her first three years, she was just barely scraping by and then her business completely took off and now she has a, in her own words, a very healthy six-figure speaking business. She really not only tells us her own journey of, you know, what has happened along the way to help grow her business, uh, her speaking and uh, consulting business, But she really shares so much about what it really truly takes to be very successful as a speaker and what it takes to be successful as a business consultant. And I really, really enjoy this conversation. It is filled with so many real pieces of wisdom that you can take away and use in your business immediately. So turn up the volume. The interview starts now. Jolene, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Katie. I appreciate it. I'm so excited you're here because you are going to be a really cool story about how to actually build a speaking career and a speaking business. And I think that that's something that tends to be a little elusive to people, or there are a lot of businesswomen who are sort of getting involved in speaking and want to use that as an opportunity to expand their brand. And being out there on the speaking circuit and having a very successful, healthy six-figure speaking business are two very different things. So I'm so excited to be able to talk about your story today to give us the behind the scenes and really help us look under the hood on how you've done that. So I would really like to start with how you even got involved in business in the first place. I know it's crazy. This is a great question because in my past life, which was about five years ago, I was a television reporter and an anchor and I didn't love it. And to make a very long story small and quick, I left my job. My mom had passed away. And eight months after her death, I experienced what is known as delayed mourning. And in that time, I took four weeks off of work. I was walking across the street in this huge field just about every day, literally thinking, what am I meant to do? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And in that silence, if you've ever heard people say, you know, you've got to get clear. That used to drive me crazy because I didn't know what that meant. But I discovered quickly, I've always had this passion to want to teach. And I even tried getting teaching jobs. I was going to go back to school to be a teacher, but that's not what it meant for me. It meant just what I'm doing now. And I started as a speaker, literally, I found a woman that I had interviewed years before as a TV reporter. I kept her card because she was a speaker. And I called her years later and I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I interviewed you. And when I interviewed her, Katie, it was, she had nothing to do with my story. It was purely selfish. I wanted to know how she became a speaker. 
So she gave me her time and she basically told me how she started and what she said was what you hear every successful entrepreneur talk about, every powerful business coach teach and that is go out there, take action and implement. And truth be told, she gave me my first gig and now I had been on local TV, I had been on stages because I was in local theater, but I never stood in front of a stage and delivered a message. So that was that was a huge action a risky action for me to take and I had to be really brave but I knew if this was something I wanted to pursue I had to step into it and try it on so that was my first gig it was in front of 400 women thanks to her I made a hundred bucks wow <laughs> you made the first dollar that's the biggest thing <laughs> <laughs> someone asked me did you frame and I'm like no I spent it <laughs> As you were out there during that time when you were kind of getting clear, what was it about speaking? I know you wanted to educate, but like, I don't think a lot of people put those two things together. Like I want to go speak oftentimes means I want to get in front of a room and tell a story and sell a product. So what did it mean to you and why did speaking really call to you? Because I was in a job I didn't love, basically I was existing. That's how I looked at it. And I started to really pay attention and open my eyes and look around. And there were a lot of people and I'm sure you know what I mean, your listeners know what I mean. If you look around, you can see people that are in pain, they're suffering, they're just existing. And they go through life punching the clock and they decide that's it, that's all there is for me. I was caught in that and I, I knew that wasn't right because I was listening to profound people like Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle and Marianne Williamson and all of these really profound teachers and they were, they were living in the space that I wanted to know more about. So I would listen to them and then I would take notes and then I would stand up in my living room and I would basically take what they were teaching and rewrite it in my own words and teach it and it felt so good. And when I was a television reporter, I did have the opportunity to do that. It would be in front of college students or high school students, but I was able to take those pieces and stand in front of these rooms to tell these people, you can do whatever you want. You can go after whatever you want, whatever it may be. So I started as a speaker with a platform of overcoming fear to follow passion. And when I decided to leave news to become a speaker, and I did not know what that looked like, Katie. I just, I had no clue how to find a stage. But when I made that decision and chased this woman down, the next step for me was to continue to find spaces to speak. So I would literally mass email Rotary Clubs. I didn't even know what entrepreneur meant, what an <laughs> entrepreneur was. And I, someone said, you've got to go to this networking meeting. So for me, it was, you talk about walking naked into a room and having no idea what to do. I asked questions. Anytime I would hear, oh, I speak occasionally or something like that, I would say, tell me more. How did you begin? What did that look like? And that's what anybody out there needs to do. Of course, I think on this call, we'll be able to talk a little bit more and I can give some tips. But that's how it was for me. I had no idea. You know, just reading, reading blogs, um, listening to people and asking questions. So you really had created, I mean, your first action step was that you really created this package really or the speaking package. Like this is what you were going to be talking about. You created exactly what that talk was going to look like and then you went out and delivered. Tell us about maybe some of the biggest flub ups that you made in the beginning, like some of those moments of, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> so when I went out there, by the way, I had no website. I had a free Vista print business card. So yeah, really, really raw. I think the biggest flub up I ever did was I over delivered and I was, you know, I was very hungry and I was very, very eager. 
But sometimes, and I didn't even have a product to sell. I just pushed so much of me out there that I didn't give anybody a reason to come back to me for more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was earning my certification. Some would call it a life coach certification. That's a very general term. And I, I would encourage anybody who uses it to rearrange that term and use something else. But I earned a certification in strategic intervention. I had to stop and think. And strategic intervention teaches people who struggle with interpersonal conflict. So here I was trying to overteach, overteach, overteach. And then I would wait at my little vendor table after the event and nobody would come talk to me because I gave them everything I needed. So I learned, thankfully, very early on not to over-deliver. And that's where I really learned how to write a presentation, too. I learned how to touch on different points. But most importantly, I learned how to attach an offer at the end that didn't feel salesy and didn't feel icky. And when I mastered that, people would just come to me in droves. And it was a really, really good feeling because the other piece that I learned was I also tried to sell. This whole gig isn't about selling. It's about serving. It's about showing up with what you have and what you can offer and implementing that in a way where people recognize, I need you. I have a problem and you are my solution. Mm. I, I think that's the best explanation I've ever heard about why and how you speak and present because you got to make a living at this. So it's really hard not to get into the language of I'm going to be on that platform and I'm selling my product and 50% goes to the promoter and da 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 and here's the delivery on the back end. So it's I think it's actually kind of hard to not speak in those terms, but to always think forwardly about exactly what you just said, that your purpose is to be there and serve. And I have heard speakers who do beautiful closes that you're talking about that don't really feel like salesy closes and their mentality is one of you've given so much value you do a disservice to the people in the room if you do not give them an opportunity to really work with you and have it have a really great structure for that so so you spent those first couple of years really developing that whole system and that whole process for yourself right uh no i spent the first couple of years doing it wrong <laughs> Well, let's just say that that was a process. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a process. And it took a really good coach to teach me the process. And in a nutshell, the process was I learned that when I would walk out onto the stage or in the room, I would say, I've got 50 minutes to give you the best of me. But I promise you before I'm done, I'm going to show you how you can get more. And just by saying that, it, quote, set the stage to let them know there would be more. No papers in front of them, no order forms to fill out. And I'm a very authentic person. What I have discovered, and this can go back to your first question, the mistakes I've made, was not being me. Be you. So being very authentic, very honest, very transparent. I'm very transparent about struggles, all the things that I've gone through because other women out there, other women business owners, they're going through them too. If I show up on stage all perfect and I you know everything is just perfect for me perfectly aligned that I had no issues growing in business how many people are gonna believe me it's not true <laughs> it's a journey it's about struggle and falling down and getting up correct and continue once you go through your piece and your teaching what I encourage my clients that I work with to do is when you get to the end where you want to put your offer out there so I have a study course for example it's four hundred ninety seven dollars but when I'm in a room I offer it for $97. So, you know, and it shows the value. And the true price is $497. I have people that buy it at that price point. But in a room, when you come to see me, this is yours for this much. So the way I walk into that, and I generally have a PowerPoint, is I will say to them, 
you know what? I'm almost out of time, and I promised you I would give more of me. Do you mind if I tell you about my study course, a little more about that while I'm still giving you some tidbits of information? I ask permission. And I've seen people in the front of the room, they're like, yes, you know, they're very <laughs> excited because I have approached them and I stood in front of them with such authenticity and I've given them information that even if they said no, they're walking away with gold nuggets that they can use and implement right now to shift their business. And then I say, well, this module I cover this and module three I cover this and then I turn back and I educate. And I'll say something like, does anyone know what it really means when someone says, I can't afford it or I have to think about it? And they want to know because that's what they hear. And then I teach. And then you sell the product. And it goes like that. And it is. It feels very, very good. And I sell every time. And I don't even care if I don't. I always say you can convert the room because it's true. But when you are truly in an authentic space of service, whether you sell one or 21, you are serving just the people you were supposed to. So you made mention about working with a coach before. I really want to dig in on that a little bit. A, because I think there are a lot of us out there who really are kind of craving a little bit of direction and a little bit of handholding and a little bit of, you know, somebody to really challenge us and to, to hold us accountable to stuff. And we know that it helps our business grow, but I'm, I want to get to the real effects it's actually really had on your business. What was the experience you had working with a coach? And what was like, what were you like beforehand? Maybe even revenues wise, what, what, what kind of revenues were you bringing in beforehand? And what happened after you wor worked with a coach? True story. First year of business, 8,000. Second year of business, $12,000. Third year of business, $13,000. That's all I was making, $13,000. Wow. I was done. Yeah, and it was horrible. And this was trying to be a speaker. I was doing freelance writing. I wasn't selling my coaching. I didn't know how. So this so, is you just getting paid for the gigs? Or is this like, how? what was your actual like revenue model during that those yeah. first three years? Yeah, so it was, when I look back at the numbers, was pretty much 50-50. 50% of what I was getting paid was for freelance writing. 50% was for speaking. I get paid 500 bucks or 700 bucks. I got a gig once for 1500 and I was so psyched and didn't I pass a kidney stone? <laughs> that 40. <laughs> that all out and that was like the first big big paid gig I would have gotten. So I was really struggling. I I wasn't clear on marketing. I wasn't clear on anything. Katie, I let pride get in my way. I had all the answers. I would just show up at these networking meetings and watch these PowerPoint presentations from these advanced business women, and that was all I needed. But when year three came and I was only making 13000 I knew I was in trouble. So I found a coach. It took some work. She kind of appeared before me, and that's another story. But I chose to have a consultation. They're a team. They're a man and a woman and a team. And when they quoted me the, their price, they quoted me $20,000, and I thought, but here is what they were able to show me, and it's what I teach my clients today. I saw their value far beyond 20000 and knew that it was what I needed. And you'd have to be part of that conversation to understand. And I borrowed the money to begin. Now, to answer your question, the first five weeks that I worked with them, I had spoken in front of a room four months before, 160 women. All their contact information was in my hands, never did a thing with it. First five weeks... My coach taught me what I need to do to make calls and set up consultations. And in that five weeks, I generated $13,000. Wow. And that's the, you know, so go from 12 months to make 13 and then five weeks to make 13,000. It blew my mind. And in that first year, Katie, 
I made 120,000. And I mean, that's the first time I've ever experienced six figures. And maybe it was just over the six figure mark, but it was six figures. Right. So go from 13 to 120. For anyone out there listening, it's possible. The thing is, you have to be willing to invest. If you are running a business and you're not investing and you don't think it's worth it, you don't have a business. You have an expensive hobby. And that's the truth of it. So when you can stand up and realize, I need to take steps and take action, finding a coach, it changed my life. And I'm still with that same coach. I did shift directions and go to another very, very high-end coach. And it was, I'm not going to say it was a mistake. It was not the right choice. But the mistakes that happened were gifts because I learned. Well, okay. So let me let me ask you, I think this is a very good moment to actually ask you what your current business model is because you make a shift from being able to be in a room with 160 women and leaving their contact information sort of in your pouch <laughs> on the side. And now you're generating six-figure revenue after working with your, your business coach. What does your business model look like now? Where are the pockets of revenue for you so that anyone out there who wants to be a speaker or wants to build their speaking career right now can really have a better idea of what real what that really looks like yeah that's a great question I do the work well I have assistants now that help me we do the work to one find our own speaking gigs and to create our own and the reason we do that Katie is because I do belong to bureaus I belong to about three of them but if I relied solely on those bureaus I wouldn't have the cash the bottom line is my business model is I love to travel and I love to speak. So we look for six to 12 speaking engagements a year. I'm in New York State. These are all over the country. And I have a regular speaking gig, my own event, once a year. That's all I need. That's my model. Because when they show up in that room, I convert that room. And I don't care if it's 10 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people, you can convert the room. I had a workshop in January. And this is a small conversion, but a big conversion. Because of the weather, I'm in cold and snowy New York State. We wanted to cap it at 30. It was after the holidays. There's many, many variables that can stop an event from filling. And I always tell my clients, don't fret, because those that show up, they want to hear you. Of the 10 that showed up, three were current clients. That left seven for me to convert. And I converted $16,000 that day. Holy cow. Yeah, and that's just, you know, and there's people have bigger conversions. I just had a gig in April. 25 minutes was all I had to speak, and I converted another 16,000. 25 minutes, I'd call that a good day. So for people out there that are hearing me, if you did that just four times and you could generate 30,000, because my clients generate between 30 and 250K, if you did that just four times, wouldn't that make you happy? And it just fills your bucket with all of these leads. And so, I mean, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. I have group coaching clients. You can sell VIP days. The bottom line is, if anybody out there is hearing me, if this is something you want to do and a model you want to follow, it takes one thing, perseverance. You have to take action every day and implement. And all it was was me picking up the phone. You know, I think what I love so much about what you just said is that you, there would be many speakers who would walk into a room where they expected 30 people and now there's 10 and, you know, three of them they know already. And 
completely shift their paradigm on, you know, oh, whatever, you know, this is not going to be a success. This is horrible. This wasn't this wasn't great. But you walked into it seeing those seven people as opportunities for you to be able to service them. And lo and behold, you can convert the room and you can, you know, give them the services that they're looking for. And I love that attitude of, of seeing that opportunity, no matter how small or how big it actually is. Can you talk a little bit about in this huge space of speaking where I feel like like everyone's a speaker, everyone's a speaker and an author uh, and a coach, but you have a very viable business doing this. There's so many questions I have on my mind in this particular arena right now, but the very first one I want to lead with is how do you differentiate yourself from every other speaker out there, every other speaker, author, coach that's out there? How do you, how do you make sure that you are seen as different and you are treated differently? Oh, that is such a great question, and there's a thousand answers. First and foremost, I don't compete and compare. And I really, truly believe that's what gives me leverage. I don't, if I were to do that, Katie, I would be screwed. You know what I mean? Because when you compete and compare and decide there's too many or there's so many speakers, there's so many more stages. There is enough out there for everybody. So that's number one. I can tell you when I first started as a speaker, people would say, I did a lot of reading. What I avoided were YouTube videos of other speakers. You know why? Because I wanted to be me. Because when I did watch those videos, and I said this earlier, I thought I had to be them. I thought I had to be someone else. So to answer your question number two, I am me. And it took me a long time to get there. I'm a chick that has three different colors in my hair, I wear tattoos and I love wearing lace and I don't mean revealing, it's part of my brand, I'm edgy. And there's a lot of people out there that are edgy. So if someone were to come up to me and say, well, how does that make you different? Just because I choose to be me, that's it. And when you are you and you step into that authentic space of you, people that enjoy you, they will be attracted to you. It took me forever to understand that. So first and foremost, don't compare. Don't don't drop yourself in a pool with a million others. There's a million podcasters and lawyers and you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's who you are attracted to and what that brand or the result is that you'll get from that person. That's really all that it is, I think, are those two things. That's incredible. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think that's so the authenticity of a person is so vital because the message that you're teaching, the messages that you're teaching and the information you're giving is not new information, no. but it's packaged accordingly to what's true for you. And there are certain people who are going to get that message and you're going to be the person that they need to hear that message from. And it wouldn't have clicked with the other speaker that just did it the weekend before. I truly believe that. So, And I love the abundance mentality. So now in order for you to be generating the type of numbers that you're generating in a room of converting seven people out of the 10 that are there, you need to have product and you need to have service set up behind that. So can you talk a little bit about maybe what some of your first steps were in creating your packages that you have? Like what, what are some things that people need to know when they're creating their consulting packages or their education packages sort of that they're, that they're offering to people? Sure. Uh, first and foremost, if no one has a product and if you've got a gig coming up and even if you don't have a gig coming up, record it you have instant product. And I, I encourage people to do it on their laptops and to set the laptop up if you even, because you want video. If you want to be dubbed as a speaker and seen as a speaker, you want video. It doesn't have to be perfect. I've seen really top-notch speakers with eh video. So don't compare, don't compare. So the next time you have a gig, record it. If you can edit it, great. 
If not, find someone that can do it for you. Bottom line is action. Don't sit on it. If you're going to say you do it, get up and do it. So now you have something you can sell. Attach a price point to it. 47 bucks for the audio. Great. That's the value. Now you want to sell out the room, you can give it to them. If this gets you their name and their phone number so you can follow up to sell a consultation, great. So now let's talk about package pricing. I'm a high-end coach and I worked my way up to high-end packages. But when I started, I started selling packages and I would coach for six months and I'd sell them for two grand. And then when I sold a certain amount, I would up it to three and then four and then five. So if you're a coach or a consultant, always sell the packages. This is what I recommend. It's what my coach recommends. It seems to be working for six months. And the reason is you can coach someone for three, but that's typically when they have a breakthrough point. And now you leave them hanging. You want to, you, you're, again, your goal is service. You want to give as much as you can when you can. I recommend VIP days because if someone says there's a lot of, I won't go into when people say they can't afford it because I could spend hours talking about that alone. There truly is a way to have a conversation to move people out of their stuff. People hit the wall when it comes to money. Your job and what I coach my people through is how to have that conversation to move people away from the realm of money. They're coming to you with a problem. You are their solution. you got to move them through their money stuff, and we all have it. So do six months. Start at 2K. Start at 5K. Build a group coaching program where people that you really believe can't afford it and you've saved their names and they're collecting on a list, you can reach back out to them six or eight months later and say, hey, you know what? I'm putting together a laser group coaching or a mastermind. I want to tell you more about that. I know when we talked before, you couldn't afford the XYZ price point, but I want to talk about this. Are you open to that? And then when they say yes, you don't go right into the price. You never go into the price. You have to create, you have to find their pain. You have to create a sense of urgency, and then you have to present a solution. Hmm. I love that. I think that's incredible. My follow-up question for that is really, once you started building this up, I mean, this is a model, obviously, that requires your time and especially more so. I mean, we're going to talk about how you're scaling this out in a second, but, you know, especially in the beginning, you it really required you to be there, you to be working hand-in-hand -hand with your clients. So what worked for you to be able to manage all the clients to be able to manage your time appropriately to make sure that you are having and giving your clients enough of your time and and you know because we have a limited amount of time so did you have any tools that really helped you manage all of that or any habits that you had that really helped you manage all of that believe it or not Katie carrying eight to ten clients a month and that's what I do now does not take a lot of time so when I coach I do bi-weekly and quite frankly, I work three and a half to four days a week. I don't work Fridays. That is my choice. So the tool that I used to manage that was Google Calendar. I also used Time Trade. But a lot of people, when they first, I remember having a consultation with one, one woman and she said, I don't want to be glued to my desk coaching. Well, you, if you're going to coach someone, don't coach them once a week. It can be overwhelming for them. Coach them biweekly. When you design your package and it's biweekly, offer unlimited email and unlimited text I have to tell you Katie there's not very many people that will take advantage of that they know it's there but I've had coaching calls when I'm driving I plug them in I put them through my speakers I've had them when I'm out and about and they get a call I don't feel burdened by that because I know that if they're showing up and making that call 
they need something and they believe in me that I can give it to them. So you're not going to be tied to your desk. Do you know what I mean? So if you were to see my calendar now, and I have about 10 one-on-one -on -one coaching clients now, and that's where I cap it for one-on-one, -on -one, there's only two to three calls a week. And there's an hour here on Monday, an hour on Wednesday, and because I use that calendar, now my assistants can see it. And so when they're trying to book me, they know when they can book me in the weekends that are free. So don't be alarmed if you're worried about one-on-one -on -one coaching being tied to your desk and caught inside. That's not how it works. Well, and what you're saying, the reason that you're experiencing that is because you set up the expectations from the get-go with your clients. So give us a little bit of a snapshot on that. How do you set up the expectations with your clients that make sure that really they're using you appropriately and you are spending your time and energy appropriately. Because I'm saying this because that there are some coaches who might go in there and they might end up spending so much time helping their client and their business. And really, I'm trying to make the, the, the differentiation between the fact that, you know, as a coach, your job is not to really get down and dirty in their business. Your job is to just give them the encouragement, give them the structure and all that sort of stuff. So how do you set up the expectations for that and to make sure that you're actually helping produce results for them? Two things. The first is you are responsible to them. You are not responsible for them, which means they are 100% responsible for their own actions. So when I first engage with someone, I make sure they understand that very clearly. And when you are a high-end coach and you move yourself to that space, nine out of 10 people understand they're responsible for taking their own actions. To go further into that, it's really difficult to not take it personally. So I can tell you, and the statistic is out there, eight out of the 10 people that you work with will not implement. They just won't. And there's nothing you can do about it. Actually, it's 80, It's the 80-20 rule. I should have just shot it off with that. So out of 100 people that you work with, only 20% will implement. Or out of the 10 you work with, only two will implement. For the longest time, that would pain me. I would give them everything I had and, it, and I learned the hard way. I would give and give and give and sometimes I would send them an email, haven't heard from you, how are you doing? I'm, I'm responsible to them, not for them. If they don't implement and when we show up on the next call, I don't scold them. Coaching is, is the best coaching is done through a series of questions and giving tools. And if they're not implementing, the only, what you want to do is not scold because they're not going to grow their business. It's to dig deep and find out what's really going on. Your family comes into this. Your personal life comes into this. A really good coach is going to move you through those pieces and you're just going to blow up and feel that empowerment and understand that you're not the only one with stuff going on. Your stuff plays a part. So a good coach will dig into that, peel it open, and then help you emerge from there. Jolene, one of the things that I noticed about you in my research is that you are very happily and strategically placed all over Google. Meaning when I type in Jolene Moody, obviously your websites come up first, your social media comes up right away, and tons and tons of articles that you have been featured in or written, YouTube videos. I mean, I needed to go back like three or four pages in order to get, you know, some stuff that just happened a couple of years ago. So you do a brilliant job of branding yourself and branding yourself in a public way. So can you give us some of your experience and maybe some tips on why you have done that and how you've done that strategically and what benefit it's had for your business? Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to hear there's pages and pages of it. <laughs> I use a tool. This is a great tool called brandyourself.com. And that really is probably other than clout, 
the two best things that have pushed all of those pages up front for me. So brandyourself.com, it's, I don't even know what the price is anymore. When I enrolled, it was free. So they have a free membership and then there's a price you pay. Again, if you're serious about your business, you want to learn to invest in these things. But what brandyourself.com does is just that. When you Google me, all the good stuff comes up. So basically, I have control over what you see. And I have control over Jolene DeRosier. That's my maiden name. I have control over Jolene Moody. Oh, that's my, <laughs> my lovely married name. <laughs> but basically, if there was an article that came up, say I had a DWI which I have never had, but let's say I had a DWI. With brandyourself.com, I have the ability to not allow Google to show that or put that on the first 10 pages. Well, it's even relevant too. Like let's say somebody had a business five years ago and that's completely different than what they're doing now. They can really make sure that their current brand is really the, the one that's relevant out there. That's a yeah, great tool. And push it pushes those to the top. So I used to be a TV reporter and I actually Googled myself today to see what images would come up and all of my current stuff still came up. So it does push the good stuff to the top, yeah. Now, Jolene, I wanna ask you this because probably one of the biggest fears about having the speaking business and being out there and, and running the consulting company and, and doing all that sort of stuff, you start to get fearful of the fact that there's so much time that has to go into it. So many times the speaker is the, what's the term, the chief cook and bottle washer. I mean, they're doing everything. They're managing their QuickBooks. They're managing their invoicing. They're trying to get sales. They're also being the consultant and fulfilling. Talk a little bit about the team that you've built, what that process was like, and when you knew you needed to start getting help. Mm. So my team are all contract individuals. So I don't have any employees. And this is not unusual at all for a solopreneur, a speaker or a coach. And when I realized I needed help with my books, it was about two years ago and I was doing everything on this Excel spreadsheet and it was this huge mess. And when I found a really good accountant to bring that to, she said, oh honey, <laughs> this is a mess. You know, and I had products that were coming in. I had a CD. I had this fearless necklace that I was selling. So I bit the bullet. I invested in QuickBooks. I did learn how to use QuickBooks myself and then taught it to another individual to help me manage it. And then my accountant, I meet with her probably quarterly uh, via GoToMeeting. And everything, anything that I have put into QuickBooks that I may have a question with, she takes over. She does my taxes. She does my quarterly taxes. She makes sure I do everything right. And actually next year it's all going to her. So I do have an accountant that I share that task with. As far as finding gigs and putting up events, I hired two assistants just this year to help me with it because scouring and looking for gigs is a lot of work. It's, it just is. But the truth of the matter is, you know, the bottom line is no matter what you're doing, it's going to take work to do. Even doing podcasts and finding shows like this, I have help with that too because I can't possibly manage it on my own. I have a 10-year-old daughter. She is my world. And a lot of people, when they find out I have a child, they're surprised. Oh, you're everywhere. You're everywhere, they say. Well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I have a gig probably every other month I have a speaking engagement. Sometimes three or four months go by and I don't have one. And I'm cool with that because in that time I'm building. And right now I'm kind of rebranding and, and aligning pieces, putting up a three-day live event next April, which is my first that length live event where I'm going to, you know, pull clients in from all over the country to do that. So if there's anybody out there listening right now that says, oh, all coaches do that, 
don't compare. Why would you waste your time doing that? Just do what you love, show up as you, and I promise you it will come. I think that that's phenomenal advice. And I think all of us, I'll speak personally, I mean, there have been arenas that I've gotten into that I'm like, ah, oh, everyone does that. I don't want to do that. But sometimes there's actually a reason why everyone does it. And you don't know that until you step into it and realize, well, here's my little niche that I'm choosing to carve out. And it works beautifully in that particular space. So yeah, that's great advice. You know what I would throw in quickly is one thing that I I learned when I worked with, quote, the wrong coach is... It, the reason it felt so off is because it was very, it wasn't authentic. So I was using big buzzwords to try to sell and I wasn't completely honest and that didn't sit well with me. You know, some of the language, those coaches give good coaches a bad name, but again, I don't let it get to me. I had a guy who just, he's part of my study course now, a gentleman. He's been emailing me, asking questions, and it just so happened I was able to answer them all. And he said, this is the reason I'm going to be in your course and invest in you and invest in me is because you took the time to answer my questions and you were authentic. So the reason I say that is if you're selling something, you don't need to use big buzzwords or secret ninja sales tricks. I get turned off by it, so why would I use them? Just show up authentic speak the truth, and you're good. Jolene, what have been some of the lowest moments that you've had in this career? And what have you done to really get through them? One of the lowest moments I have ever had, Katie, was when I did work with this wrong coach and I, quote, lost my voice. And I am responsible for my own actions. But I kind of got caught under that spell of, well, I'm not going to be successful or be a really good high-end coach unless I do what she says. And I really fell into that and I became financially, spiritually, and emotionally exhausted. Like fell to my knees ready to throw it all away. All of the things that I were, it was just moving too quick. And I'm, I'm an implementer. I'm not afraid to implement. But, but this particular coach and, and coaches, for anyone out there that's new to it, coaches shouldn't tell. You don't tell someone how to run their business. You guide someone through their business. You do give them strategies. You do give them tools. Well, she was a teller. And I ended up putting up an event in a completely different state, and I barely made it through. It broke me in every way possible. And I finally got brave and was able to stand in front of this person and say, I can't do this with you anymore. But I broke down. And what happened is in that breakdown, it lasted probably two months. I had this incredible breakthrough. So I, the right people showed up when I needed them to. The right conversations happened. I went back to my original coach and I said, I need your help. I, I, this is what has happened and I'm lost. And it was the best move I've made. So if there's people that are around you that are a good influence and they're a good energy Leave those people in your life. Keep them close to you. Love them as much as you can. I know we get angry. I know we get frustrated. I'm guilty of it too. But just don't ever, ever give up. If you fall to your knees, you stay down there for a little while. You sleep. You take a few days off. You go to a spa and get a massage. <laughs> and then come back. So anytime you have those slips and those falls, I just saw something on Facebook today. I'm sure you've seen it, all of us, on our news feed. It shows... It's a split comic, and it shows a little stick figure on a bike that says, your plan. It's got the straight line to the finish. 
And then it says the real plan, and it's all these hills and rivers and all these things you have to go through. That's the deal. When you're in this game, it's never smooth. There's some really smooth, good pieces, but there are bumps. You have to be willing to accept both. What is that in, in you that, that keeps you going in those moments? Like, what, what, where do you dig from? Like, what is that fire that just will not get, get extinguished? That is a question. I love that you asked it. That I ask all of these big gurus, I come in front of them, like, how come I can do this? And some people, they just struggle. What is it? I'm not superhuman. I don't think there's anything super or special about me. I think what it is, is, and I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, is when I chose to do something I was dead afraid of and I got through it, I was able to look back and go, holy crap, okay, that wasn't so bad. And what I recognized is we thrive on stories. So I would scare the crap out of myself because of the stories I was telling myself and that's what we all do. So then I would try something else and I would get braver and braver and braver. So I built my brave muscles and brave has become part of my brand. So when I am working with entrepreneurs, that's a lot of the work, Katie. We move through brave. I jumped out of an airplane. I mean, you know, I, I, that was crazy. And that, that jumping out of that airplane helped me decide to leave my job as a television reporter and anchor after 10 years. So it was building those muscles. I just chose to step out. I have done things that scare me, but that's exactly why I do them now. I want to move into a particular topic of yours that you talk about that fascinates me like none other. And it's right in line with what you're talking about. It really, because a lot of us have fear around closing. And you talk a lot about really going for the clothes and being fearless and doing that. And no matter what your product or your service is, there is a lot of fear that is around closing somebody and finally asking for the sale and, and getting the clothes. And when you talked earlier about you converted $16,000 in the room, there's a science to that and there's a way to do that. So can you, can you maybe give, give us some tips or things that you've noticed that actually help people close and do it successfully? Yeah, grab pen and paper because I want you to write down three questions for anyone that's listening. And this is just a little tidbit, but I think it'll be helpful. First of all, I did choose to be brave. I was scared out of my wits when I first did this process. I told you I called a list of 160 women four months after I spoke. There's a structure to the conversation. It's not fake. It's authentic. And you have to show up heart-centered when you do it. But bottom line is when you're following up with, uh, say you spoke in front of a room, please follow up within the week. The reason people are so fearful of it is because we hear the word no 18,000 times by the time we're 18 years old. We hear yes about 8,000. So no wonder. So we have these stories around it. So aside from trying to really push through those stories, what I coach my people through and what my coach coached me through is when I'm dialing the phone, I literally say, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think until they pick up that phone. And then it gets easier because you start the small conversation. And I love it if I'm talking to someone on the West Coast because I'm on the East Coast and it's winter and we can talk about weather or my dog or whatever. But when you start the conversation, what I typically say is, all right, enough about me. We're here to talk about you. So the first thing I want to ask you, Katie, is what do you want? So people write that question down. Question number one, you have to ask them what they want. Because you don't just push to the sale because what this does is the first phase of the technique I teach. It's phase one. You have to find their pain. 
Where do they hurt? If they showed up in your room, it's because there was something about what you said or what you wrote and they wanted to learn more. Don't decide that they don't want you. I can't tell you how many times I've made that mistake. I wasn't going to call somebody because they were unemployed. How awful is that? They ended up hiring me. So don't decide they do or they don't have money. We don't know anybody's money story. So first question, what do you want? I want more clients. I just wish I had more time. I wish I could balance things better. And you take notes. And you do ask second and third level questions around that. Tell me more about that. What do you mean more clients? What are you doing now to get them? Those are second and third level questions. The second question I want you to ask is, why do you want it? Why do you want more clients? Well, because I really want my business to grow. I, I don't want my husband doing all the work. I want to be in charge. I want this to happen. And ask more second and third level questions. You can ask questions like, well, what are your current techniques when you market? How are you following up now? Well, I'm not following up. Awesome. That's a good pain point because now you dig into that. Why not? I don't want to be rejected. And you'll hear that all the time. Or then I end up getting close and then I don't quote what I worth. Write all this down. And then the third question, which is the most powerful, is why do you think you don't have this already? Why do you think you don't have a thriving business already? Why do you think you don't have a website that's lucrative already? Whatever it is you do, why don't you have it already? That's a huge aha question. Well, I, I don't know. And then I'll say to people, well, if you had to guess, because I don't know as a defense mechanism, if you had to guess, why do you think you don't have this already? And I remember for me it was because I don't know how to close a client. I don't know how to do these things. Now you know where it hurts. You have the pain. You can ask more second and third level questions. Ask them, tell me, Katie, what is the reward for you staying in the space that you're in now? And people will go, what? Th there is no reward. No, there's a reward. It's called your comfort zone. And that really wakes people up. So once you structure these questions, that's phase one. You want to move into phase two and restate all of those things you wrote down. Let them hear it. Let them feel it again. Now that's creating a sense of urgency and they're realizing, oh my gosh, if I don't do something now, this business isn't going to get off the ground. I'm going to keep running with an expensive hobby. So when you restate all of that stuff back to them and they're like, yeah, you say, so you're telling me if you don't get this business off the ground, your husband tells you you have to go out and get a full-time gig? Yeah. You're telling me that you're going to have to go back to corporate America. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Then you present solution. Here's what I think we should do, Katie. We work together for six months and then you go into your package. And there's a whole other structure around how to handle rebuttals too. So there um, you go. <laughs> you're brilliant. You're following the exact structure and I think you do it very naturally, which is beautiful. You give so much information just like you have on this call. And yet I think you and I could have continue to have a three hour conversation about all this stuff. <laughs> so, you well, know. <laughs> Jolene, what, what is your vision for Jolene Speaks? What is your vision for the, for the company? And what are you most excited about that you have coming up? I am most excited about my three-day event in April of 2015. That's a big deal for me. It's three days of just powerful information and transformation. Lots of little ideas that I have that I really want to incorporate to make my event different, to include who I really am. The vision that I have, I've always seen myself in a space where Jolene Speaks is kind of like a household name when you think of coaching. And not just me, but having a, a team of coaches. And our mission really, it's not money driven. 
it's purpose-driven. It's genuinely for when women are out there and they want to do something and build something that they have, that they know there's a place they can go to where that team, the Jolene Speaks team, can make it happen. It's not about money. It's not about scripts. It's not about flashy words. It's about digging in to find the shit, if you will, that lies underneath, that really keeps us from rising above, the stuff that keeps us from quoting what we're worth, breaking through those fears. Look, I'm not a superhero. I said it before. This isn't easy. I have had days where I have fallen to my knees and I have just wanted to give up and go down the road and get a job at Aldi's and just go numb and check people out. So it's going to happen. What makes you stand out is do you have the tools to stand back up again after you've just completely broken down? And that's what I want, to give them those tools. Jolene, from the bottom of my heart, I really want to thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for being so real. Obviously, you, you can't help it. <laughs> and just be real <laughs> and authentic. I mean, you learn the hard way through the, through the not right coach, right? I just really want to thank you so much for not only sharing your story, but for really giving so much information on how any one of our listeners who are listening right now who really want to utilize speaking as a way to start their brand, build their brand bigger than what it is, and do consulting. I think we really hit on all of those components. So I just really want to thank you so much for giving such great information. Thank you so much for being on the show and for being able to tell your story to all, everyone listening. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. I, this was good. The hour flew by. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> connected to Jolene and get all the show notes for today, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 55. As you could tell, I had such a great time chatting with Jolene. I was so appreciative of the realness that she brought to the conversation, not only about her own story, but how being authentic and being real totally pertains to your success in your business. My biggest takeaway in this conversation was really that whole time that we were talking about actually how to close and what I loved about it was the fact that she really accentuated the fact that you're asking particular questions in a particular way that elicits what their pain truly is, you know, asks them what is the, you know, what do they need to really do about it? And you give them solutions on how to really take care of it. So I, I really, really love that. So I hope that you enjoyed this. It was amazing. I hope that you took great notes on this, whether those were voice memos because you might be driving or um, or if you were sitting down doing work, I hope that you were able to take some notes. And uh, more importantly than anything, take action. She was really big from the get-go talking about how to truly take action. So if it's just meeting one other person or chatting with one other person who already speaks or who already consults, who might be able to you know, walk you through how they do things, um, or if it's getting that next gig, or if it's, you know, polishing your package in a certain way and just taking the next step. That's really what Jolene was so good about depicting, not only in her own business, but sharing again how that's so important for any speaker or consultant. So just take some action. Thanks so much for being here. I will see you on the next episode.